Paul kept turning it back to Jesus. Yeah, I labor. Yeah, I work hard, but it's about Jesus. It is about Jesus. Paul was glad to boast about his weaknesses because in his weaknesses, it allowed the power of Christ to rest upon his life. Paul took pleasures, therefore, in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for the sake of Christ, he said. This was because what he did, he did for Jesus, knowing that when he was weak, Christ was made strong through his life and through his ministry. We need to understand that weak vessels make strong servants. You're looking too far for that need you have inside. You're on a big merry-go-round and it's taking you for a ride. You've got to let go and let go. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. So today we're going to look at a message that I entitled Visions and Revelations from 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And we're going to see in verses 1 through 6, a vision of paradise, verses 7 through 10, a revelation of Jesus's grace, verses 11 through 13, signs, wonders, and mighty deeds, and verses 14 through 21, to spend and be spent. In verses 8 and 9, he says, concerning these things, I pleaded with the Lord three times that they may depart from me. Paul tells us that I didn't like this infirmity. I didn't like what was happening to me. I even prayed to the Lord, asked him three times to take it away from me. And then Jesus responded, verse 9, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Then Paul said, Therefore, most gladly, I would rather boast in my infirmities. What did he do? He said, My infirmities, my weaknesses, I was lowered in a basket outside of the wall of Damascus. There was a weakness. Let's look at that. When I ran from persecution, he said, I would rather boast about that, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Verse 10, therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. After pleading with the Lord three times to take away whatever this thorn in the flesh was, Jesus answered and said, My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Paul's thorns kept him humble before the Lord and before others. Paul's thorns kept him dependent upon Jesus 
Paul's thorn allowed him to be greatly used by Jesus. 1 Corinthians 15.10, Paul said, By the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Paul kept turning it back to Jesus. Yeah, I labor. Yeah, I work hard, but it's about Jesus. It is about Jesus. Paul was glad to boast about his weaknesses because in his weaknesses, it allowed the power of Christ to rest upon his life. Paul took pleasures, therefore, in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for the sake of Christ, he said. This was because what he did, he did for Jesus, knowing that when he was weak, Christ was made strong through his life and through his ministry. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13, 4, we'll see this next week. For though he was crucified in weakness, yet he lives by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but we shall live with him in the power of God toward you. Jesus Christ was crucified in his physical weakness, but now Jesus Christ, through his resurrected body, he lives in the power of God. We too, in our weakness, will live in the power of God. When we turn those things over to Christ, we need to understand that weak vessels make strong servants. Weakness, humility, not pride, not boastfulness. Weakened vessels make strong servants. See, it really goes against what the world would teach. And that's what makes it so difficult because we have to get past our intellect on these things. That when I am weak, Christ is strong. Verses 11 through 13, he talks about signs, wonders, and mighty deeds. In verse 11, he says, I've become a fool in boasting. You have compelled me. For I ought to have been commended by you, for in nothing was I behind the most eminent apostles, though I am nothing. So Paul saw his boasting as very foolish, a very foolish thing. Paul said, I have become a fool, but you guys compelled me to do this. Truly to boast in yourself or to boast about your own perceived accomplishments is really foolish indeed. We have to be careful in these things. Proverbs 11, 2 reminds us, when pride comes, then comes shame. But with the humble is wisdom. With the humble is wisdom. Pride brings shame. So we have to walk in humility. Paul knew that humility was the best path. But the Corinthians had rejected his ministry, and so it compelled him to share some things that perhaps they were not aware of. He shared the highs and lows of his ministry with them, the lows being shipwrecked, being beaten with rods three times, being beaten with the cat of nine tails five times minus one stripe, 39 stripes each time of five times, so five times 39. He shared the lows, his physical sufferings, but also the highs, the visions, the revelations. 
Besides all these things, the Corinthians should have stood up for Paul. They were being deceived, as we looked at last week, by the false teachers, the deceitful workers that had come into their midst, actually invaded their churches. Paul saw himself, though, as nothing, as no one. The Greek word here, it means, we could read it this way in verse 11, even though... I am in your eyes nothing. What the church viewed Paul as nothing. Even though I am in your eyes nothing. He said in verses 12 and 13, Truly the signs of an apostle were accomplished among you with all perseverance, in all signs, wonders, and in mighty deeds. For what is it in which you were inferior to the other churches, except that I myself was not burdensome to you, Forgive me for this wrong. The only thing that they could have had against Paul is that he did not take up an offering for his ministry while he was with them. Now, it appears that these false teachers, these deceitful workers were actually saying, yeah, but he's taking this collection for the church in Jerusalem and he's actually getting at your money in another way. You have to watch out for these guys. You know, you have to be careful. And we do. I believe we have to be careful with ministries, missions. As a pastor, I get emails from uh, different people throughout the world at times and got an email a few years ago about a ministry that was looking for Bibles and, and they're playing at the heartstrings of the church. We need Bibles. And so I contacted my friend over at Far Reaching Ministry and I said, hey, I got this ministry in Africa. They're asking for us to send Bibles. I said, no big deal. I said, we would love to do it. Do you think it's wise to do so? He said, no, don't do it. He goes, because they'll take the Bibles, you send them, and they'll sell them. They're just after your money. They know the string to pluck. Christians love to give Bibles away, right? And so you have to be careful. Sometimes you don't get involved with the ministry because the Lord just, there was one such ministry that, in the Calvary Chapel movement, the Calvary Chapel movement supported this ministry, and I, I did not support the ministry. I was even asked by one of the ministers once, why? And I thought, here it goes, I'm going to get in trouble now. Because he asked me why. We were eating dinner together. And so I answered the question that was asked me. And he said, I agree. And I was like, <laughs> I'm not going to get in trouble on this one. But in the last five or six years, information has come out against that ministry. And I didn't know why. I just had this, I think the Spirit gave me information without giving detail. I just was hands off, which meant our church was hands off. I did not support the ministry, did not allow it to be supported in our church, and they were exposed. I didn't know why. So sometimes we have just a sense that the Spirit gives us. Sometimes it's good to investigate, try to explore. Paul said, the only thing you have against me is that I didn't take a collection. I actually robbed other churches that I could serve you. I worked with my own hands to serve you. If you feel like you've been put out, I'm sorry. But this is what I did for you guys because I love you guys. But he said, you have the signs of the apostles. When I was ministering to you, you saw what God was doing through the work. You saw signs, wonders, and mighty deeds. Acts 5.12, 
tells us that when the apostles went out, Acts 5.12, through the hands of the apostle, many signs and wonders were done among the people. That it was part of the early church that God would kind of validate ministry with signs and wonders. Paul says, adds mighty deeds to this list here. Romans 15, verses 17 through 19, he says, Therefore I have reason to glory in Christ Jesus in the things which pertain to God. For I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ has not accomplished through me in word and in deed to make the Gentiles obedience in mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem, all around Acrylium, I have fully preached the gospel of Jesus Christ in mighty signs and wonders through the power of the Spirit. Yet the Corinthians felt inferior to the other churches because Paul hadn't sought support from them. Paul says, you're, you're nuts. Most people would be glad. Preacher didn't ask for any money today. <laughs> That's how it is in so many churches, right? He didn't ask for my W-2 form. We never do that, by the way. <laughs> it was because Paul sought resources from others, but also, more importantly, he trusted in God. Second Corinthians 11, 7 and 8, he said, Did I commit sin in humbling myself? that you might be exalted because I preached the gospel of Christ to you free of charge. I robbed other churches, taking wages from them to minister to you. As I read through this, one of the prayers that I would just love to have for us to pray for this church, that we would see the spirit work in our midst in many wonderful ways. When I say that, I do not know exactly what I'm asking, but I think we should pray for it nonetheless, that we would see God's Spirit work in our midst in many wonderful ways. We know, God knows we know, we need the work of the Spirit in our churches today. We wrap up in verses 14 through 21. Paul says, to spend and to be spent. In verses 14 and 15, he says, now for the third time, I'm ready to come to you and I will not be burdensome to you. Again, he says, I'm not going to ask for money. I'm not going to burden you guys. For I do not seek yours, but you. For the children ought not to lay up for the parents, but the parents for the children. I will very gladly be, very gladly spend and to be spent for your souls. Though the more abundantly I love you, the less I am loved. So it gives a very clear picture of parents or grandparents with their children. He said, it's not that the children should lay up for the parents, but that the parents should lay up for the children. So I was reading that. I was thinking of my wife when we visit, uh, if we can ever visit our child, our son, his wife, and our granddaughter out in Hawaii, it's getting difficult. But when we get to go, Lily likes to spend, especially for Ayana, because we don't see her a lot. And so we eat a lot of uh, shaved ice, a lot of ice cream, a lot of shopping, a lot of fun. Um, it's almost a daily thing. We don't do dessert daily, normally. But we do on vacation, you're on vacation. But we're spending four, right? 
That's how it should be. Paul says, you know how it is. That's how it should be. Not that the children should lay up for the parents, but the parents laying up for the children, taking care of the children. I will gladly spend and be spent for your souls. Proverbs 13, 22, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. Paul said, I very gladly spend and be spent for your souls, even though their love had been diminished in his sight. They did not love him as he had once perceived. First Thessalonians 2, 7 through 9, it says, But we were gentle among you, just as a nursing mother cherishes her own children, so affectionately longing for you. We were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives, because you have become dear to us. For you remember, brethren, our labor and toil for laboring night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you. We preached to you the gospel of God. Not being a burden to others, but preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ to others. Paul's carrying spirit in verses 16 through 18. He said, but be that as it may, I did not burden you. Nevertheless, being crafty, I caught you by cunning. Did I take advantage of you by any of those whom I sent to you? I urged Titus. I sent our brother with him. Did Titus take advantage of you? Did we not walk in the same spirit? Did we not walk in the same steps? It appears that Paul's enemies had told the Corinthians the reason that Paul did not accept their money. I've already mentioned that, that he was actually trying to get after their money by this offering that he was collecting for the churches in Jerusalem, the need that they had in Jerusalem. But they had accountability. He sent Titus. He sent a brother with them. He sent a brother from Macedonia. We learned about that a few weeks ago. They had accountability. It's so wise to have accountability when we do things. But here he points out that Titus and the brother that went with Titus to Corinth, they walked in the same spirit that Paul walked in. They didn't feed off the church. They blessed the church. They had the same spirit, the same heart, the same desire. 2 Corinthians 7, verses 5 through 7, Paul wrote, For indeed we came to Macedonia, our bodies had no rest. We were troubled on the outside. There were conflicts on the outside, fears within. Nevertheless, God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus, not only by his coming, but also the consolation which with he was comforted in you, when he told us of your earnest desire, your mourning, your zeal for me, so that I rejoiced even more. Paul used Titus. He sent them to Corinth, sent Titus to Corinth. Titus came back to Paul. He reported about what the Lord was doing there. And it blessed Paul's soul. While Titus was with the Corinthians, he conducted himself just as if, he was Paul in their sight, in their presence. We need to do that. We need to learn from men, women of faith, how we ought to walk, how we ought to conduct ourselves to practice those things. The Corinthians 
had the testimony of their conduct to counter the lies of the false teachers, the deceitful workers who had invaded their church. Paul's conduct, Titus's conduct. They had that testimony. If they would just stop to think about it for a moment. In fact, he wrote in 2 Corinthians 8, verses 16 and 17, but thanks be to God who puts the same earnest care for you into the heart of Titus. For he did not only accept the exhortation, but being more diligent, he went to you of his own accord. Paul said, yeah, I sent Titus to you, but Titus, he had the same heart. In fact, he wanted to go. He wanted to come. So we close out in verses 19 through 21, Paul's unthinkable fear. Again, do not think that we excuse ourselves to you. We speak before God in Christ, but we do all things, beloved, for your edification. For I fear, lest when I come, I shall not find you as I wish, that I shall be found by you such as you do not wish, lest there be contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, backbitings, whisperings, conceits, tumults, lest when I come again, my God will humble me among you. I shall mourn for many who have sinned before and have not repented of the uncleanness, the fornication, the lewdness which they have practiced. Paul wasn't making any excuses about their actions or their perceived actions by the Corinthians, but his one fear when he showed up and finally made it to Corinth, and remember, he wintered there for three months with them. We know that from the book of Acts. He was afraid that when he finally got there, that he would find them conducting themselves in ways that he should not. He actually named eight sins in verse 20 and three sins in verse 21. And these are things that we are to put off as believers in Jesus Christ. As Paul wrote in Ephesians 4, verses 20 through 24, he said, You have not learned so in Christ, if indeed you have heard him or have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning the former conduct, the old man, I'll add, and woman, the old man and woman, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust plural, and be renewed by the spirit of your mind that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. As believers in Jesus Christ, we are to put off, put off our past conduct, that which we were prior to knowing Christ, and put on the very nature of Christ in our lives. In 3 John in verses 2 through 4, 3 John is only one chapter book, so verses 2 through 4, John wrote, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health, just as your soul prospers. For I rejoiced greatly when brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you, just as you walk in truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. I believe that's what was on the heart of Paul as well as on the heart of John, saying that I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Parents, with your kids, 
No greater joy, right? When your kids are walking in truth, doing what's right. Spiritual parents, pastors of churches, Sunday school teachers to hear when uh, the kids are doing right. The question for us today, are we willing to spend and to be spent for the sake of the gospel? We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are with us. So give us the courage to be willing to go. I pray for those, Lord, who perhaps do not yet know you as Savior, but they've come to that place that they believe that God is. Now, Lord, you're calling them to receive your Son, Jesus Christ, as their Savior. If that individual is here in our church, worshiping with us here today, perhaps listening on the radio, watching through our Facebook feed, Whatever the case might be, Lord, I pray that you, you, through your Holy Spirit, would compel them to receive Christ, that they might grow and go. It is our heart's desire, Lord, that we might spend and be spent for the gospel. Lord, let us be challenged by your words this day, we pray. In the mighty name of Jesus and all God's people said, Amen. Amen, Amen indeed. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today. And may the Lord richly bless you as you worship him today.